This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, we back at it today. We out here. The world continues to go wild. Things over here are, are interesting. I'm sorry I missed an episode of the show this week. I want to come out and say that in full transparency. We believe in transparency here at uh, The Realness Media, home of Connor Wanders. Um, but... I have a a nice announcement that goes along with me missing last or Wednesday's episode. Uh, We're putting together a course for podcasters. So if you're a podcaster out there and you're like, man, I don't know what the hell to do. If you're an aspiring podcaster that needs all the juicy deets and wants to go for it, well, be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout. Not going to give you any dates or any more information than that, but that's what I was doing on Wednesday when this show should have been recorded. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I want to be honest with you. Not a lot happened that was really um, interesting. So I just condensed it all down to this episode, and we're going to see what we can do. Now, while the world's going on, it's something we're not going to talk about on this episode, but I want you to be, want you to be aware of. I want you to be you know on the lookout for while you know MSNBC's complaining about Trump, and then Fox News is worshiping Trump, and then people are you know running away from Trump like he's the bubonic plague, which is also resurgent has has had a resurgence in this uh, you know in 2020. Which okay, apparently a squirrel had the bubonic plague in uh, in Colorado. So all of my squirrel homies out there, be careful. Um, while that happened, you know the, the Congress went ahead and passed uh, a bunch of legislation that really makes sure that we'll never get out of the Middle East. Basically, it was like, yeah, we can, we can, we can bring some troops home. We can, we can dial it back, but you got to jump through all these impossible hoops. So, um, yeah, the dumpster fire continues and it was bipartisan and that's what we have going on in the government. I think it was $740 billion. I don't know. I mean, I feel like given the state of the world, uh, we could probably do something better with that, with that money than be a, um, you know, authoritarian global government, but Hey, you know, maybe I don't know enough. Maybe I'm just not in the loop. Maybe going to the Middle East and, and doing the whole thing we've been doing there for the past God knows how long, since before I was born. Maybe my entire lifetime we should be at war. Maybe that's what we should do. Hmm. But anyways, so that was great. And that's what your Democrats and your Republicans uh, are working on right now during um, what is teetering to seem like a civil war and a global pandemic. That is less global than it was, and it is. Uh, it seems to be more of a, an American pandemic at this point. But you know, they did the best they could. They did the best they could up there in the uh, in, in the in DC, and uh, you know, I'm proud of them, all of them, all of them. So proud, I'm proud to be an American, where I can pretend that I'm free. All right, uh, what do we got today? We're gonna talk about Oklahoma. We're gonna talk about Twitter. We're going to talk about, oh man, of course we're going to talk about old Gislaine Maxwell. And uh, in, in something to think about, I'm going to trigger the fuck out of you most likely when we're going to talk about white supremacy. Or no, excuse me. white supre- We're not talking about white supremacy necessarily. We're talking about white fragility. White fragility. Um, number one best-selling book on Amazon at the moment. 
making uh, the author, Robin something or other, a lot of money. Uh, a lot of money. And not to mention all the courses that she's going to be. Well, you know what? We'll just get into it then. We'll get into it then because I'm mildly heated. But uh, just make sure that if you're, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're liking this show and you're into it and you're like, you know, you think that this helps you sift through the bullshit a little better and you're, you know, th- this is kind of where you get your stuff. If you're like, I'm just going to only listen to what Connor says is important because he seems to have a good barometer for such a thing that I appreciate that. I've heard that a few times, you know, not to toot my own horn. But if you like that, if you're into this, go ahead over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star review and make sure to share this podcast on your social media with your friends, with your family. Um, with casual encounters, um, anything, just really anybody, anybody, Democrats, Republicans, independents, uh, QAnon, whatever it is. And also I want to put this out since I brought up QAnon, I mentioned QAnon briefly in the last episode and I put that video up on the gram and oh my Lord. I've had so many people want me to do a episode on QAnon, um, a full episode, like just commit a whole episode to QAnon, which I'm very intrigued in doing and I've been considering for a while now, but you have no idea what kind of dumpster fire that is. No idea. We're talking six, seven hours of documentaries. We're talking notes the whole time. I'm going to dig through people's Twitter accounts. I mean, I just got this chart today that is a com- just like, yeah, it's completely out of control. Somebody sent me like the, the awakening chart or something like that. It's a trip, but um, know that uh, I'm going to do my best to put it together, and yeah, we'll see, but I appreciate everybody reaching out and, and uh, strong-arming, me, strong-arming me into QAnoning it up, so we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll be a fully converted member. I highly doubt it, but you know, I kind of have a feeling that it's mostly just white nationalists that are looking for something to do with themselves, uh, but that's just me. What do I know? Anyways, it's time. Let's go to the state of things. that heartbeat sound makes me feel alive makes me feel alive you know what else makes you feel alive social media it really is it's all it's the only thing that keeps me going social media topo chico and coffee that's how uh that's how i fuel myself um i've really just given up on love human connection um really intimacy as as a whole um and totally committed to uh twitter and you know MySpace. So uh, I was really devastated to hear that some social media accounts got hacked this week. Just yesterday. Just yesterday, Twitter accounts got hacked. Let's list off who got hacked here. Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Apple, Jeff Bezos, Kanye West, Uber, Mike Bloomberg, Cash App, Wiz Khalifa, Warren Buffett, Floyd Mayweather, CZ Finance, Tron Foundation, KuCoin, Go. Oh wait, that's not. That's just an addition. That's it. All of those accounts got hacked, and they were posting things like this. This is the one from Elon Musk here. It says, "Giving back to my community. All Bitcoin sent to my address below will be sent back doubled. If you send a thousand dollars, I will send two thousand dollars. 
only doing this for the next 30 minutes. Enjoy. Now, one thing about crypto is that you can see how much uh, money is going to these accounts. And they were using the same link on a lot of them. So they were able to track down about how much money these cats that ran this scam got. And it is a, above $118,000. So through this scam, and I mean, that's honestly looking at this, I'm like, huh, that seems like something Elon Musk would do, I guess. Like, I'm not surprised. Maybe Jeff Bezos is kind of a cold hearted bastard. I don't see him doing that or Barack Obama or Joe Biden. But some of these people I can see, Apple obviously isn't doing that. Um, so, you know, I, Kanye West, I can see him doing something like that. I'm only doing, Kanye West says, I'm only doing a maximum of $10 million. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, Uber said the same thing, $10 million in Bitcoin. I mean, you know, people are struggling out there. This is actually a well-architected, architected? It's a well-put-together scheme. Um, so... Here's what I think, you know, we're, uh, clearly somebody inside of Twitter had some, some mistake, was fooled, was hoodwinked, was hoodwinkled, and um, allowed access to these accounts. Really unfortunate for the people who put, you know, bought this. I really feel bad for you, although you got to know better, honestly. It's like the Crystalia situation. Just know better. That's my response. Know better. I mean, I get it. I get how you can be fooled. Know better. But... Here's what I think happened. Here's what I think. This entire list of victims of the hacking scandal are all clearly in the Illuminati. Clearly. Now, here's what I think went down. I think Trump put this whole thing together. And QAnon, maybe Q himself, hacked these Twitter accounts, gathered the Bitcoin in order to fight the deep state arm the soldiers for justice and attack the deep state. They're going to get the pedophiles. They're going to get the blood drinkers. They're going to get them all. And this was the first step. They just got $118,000 richer heading towards what will be the largest battle of souls in human history. That's what I think happened, but maybe not. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could also not be wrong. I could be right. I could be absolutely right. Trump's behind this whole thing. It has Trump all over it. Because Trump is doing the work. He's doing the Lord's work to fight the globalists. Just like Alex Jones says. <laughs> I thought I'd keep my face straight for that whole thing. But I can't. I couldn't. It didn't happen. Oh, God. Who fucking knows? But this is scary, though. It's scary because what are the implications? What are the implications with this? I mean, you think your Instagram account is yours. You think your Twitter account is yours. It feels like yours. You think your TikTok account is yours. All that. You think it's yours. Your YouTube account, whatever it is. You feel like it's yours. Like it's your possession. Like you own it. But that's not true. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, whatever it is. Google. They let you use their platform and they monetize your actions on that platform. It's not yours. It's not yours. Now, what would happen? What would happen if Trump's account got hacked and they said, hey, we're sending nukes to Russia right now, which would be silly for him to tweet that, but that's not outside the realm of possibility for somebody that's as much of a buffoon as Trump is. What would happen? We've, we've been on the precipice of, of accidental nuclear war numerous times over the silliest shit. One time, somebody went to set off an alarm of an intruder 
at one of the places where our ground-based uh, nuclear weapons are, right? They wanted to set off the alarm for an intruder. They accidentally hit the nuclear fucking missiles are coming towards our country alarm, right? All to find out that the intruder was a fucking bear trying to climb the fence. A bear trying to climb a fence almost started a nuclear war. Now, think about that. That really happened. And that's not the only time that accidental nuclear war is almost taking place. So when you think about vulnerability within social media, if this can happen to Elon Musk and Barack Obama, I mean, two you know of the vice pre- previous vice president and previous president, along with a uh, presidential hopeful in Kanye West, like those are big verified accounts. And they got hacked all at the same time in a very orchestrated attack. So think about the implications. Think about the implications of that. Shit could go off. But who knows? Just know that your social media accounts do not belong to you. They belong to whatever platform owns that service. And they will edit it. They will <laughs> they will block it. They will ban it. Is if it whatever whatever they see fit, they will do. So don't get it twisted, my friends. Those social media accounts do not belong to you. Let's move on. Oklahoma, a luscious, beautiful state in the shape of a frying pan, home to flat plains and um, uh, the show Breaking Bad. No, that that was New Mexico. Sorry. But uh, Oklahoma now, half of it, half of Oklahoma belongs to the Native Americans. The Creek Nation, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Cherokee, and Seminole Native Americans to be precise, also known as the Five Tribes. It has been returned because this land was promised under treaty. Now, we have a similar situation going on with uh, the Mount Rushmore area, the Black Hills, also promised under treaty. That's been deemed unconstitutional to uh, to have taken that land back because gold, you know, gold. Gold's worth killing people for. Let's do that. But, um, man, this they say, the five tribes say this. That there has been substantial progress towards an agreement of shared jurisdiction, understandings, procedures, laws, and regulations that support public safety, our economy, and private property rights. The reason they say that is because there were some serious issues about jurisdiction and, and who can be held accountable for crimes done on reservation property. Now, that is federally a federal jurisdiction, not state. So... There are a handful of people that could be released from prison that are violent sex offenders. One in particular. Now, I want to talk about this one case. This is the Magritte case. Now, what this guy did, really fucked up. Really fucked up. Now, Magritte has served, he's 71 years old. He has served two decades, more than two decades, in prison after being convicted in 1997 in Wagner County, eastern Oklahoma, of rape, lewd molestation, and forcible sodomy of a four-year-old girl. Magritte, who did not contest his guilt in the case um, before the justices, has appealed in 2019 ruling by a state appeals court in favor of Oklahoma. So people like this can kind of have a get-out-of-jail-free card if their crimes were on what is now considered Native American property, now considered reservation. What we're seeing, though, is that that is unlikely to be the case. Now, a lot of conservatives who like to, you know, butt up the Constitution whenever it's convenient for them 
and, uh, and, and, and conveniently forget that it exists uh, whenever it doesn't, which is really adorable. They're, go, they're, they're freaking out about this. Like, well, what's next? Is California next? Is, you know, is Mount Rushmore next? And maybe, maybe. But the thing is, we went back on numerous treaties that said things like this land shall remain with the Native Americans. I think they called them Indians back then, of course. Uh, so she'll remain with the Indians until, you know, the stun- sun stops shining and the water stops flowing. Well, last time I checked, that motherfucking sun is still shining and water still seems to be flowing. So, uh, uh, you know, if it fucking sucks, it fucking sucks. It's just kind of what it is. There's lots of things about the Constitution that kind of fucking suck. But we're stuck with them because we've committed to this document. Now, if you would like to revise it, maybe update it a little bit, maybe bring it to current, huh? We can have that conversation, but I know that the constitution is inconvenient for conservatives now. Um, so we, we, we tend to forget that, uh, you know, it's a constitutional thing, but it's interesting. And what we're seeing is that these, these, these violent criminals that, um, or people were freaking out and being very hyperbolic about them getting out of prison. They're having court dates rescheduled within a national, in a national jurisdiction. So as opposed to having a state trial, they'd have, I don't know how the fuck that works. I'm not a lawyer, but they're going to uh, kind of retry the situation based on uh, based on national law, not state law. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know all the ins and outs of this, but I highly doubt that they're just going to like, oh, well, you were raping little kids. We're going to let you go. You know, that only works for people like Jeffrey Epstein and uh, cats like that. That only happens for the global elites. So generally speaking, normal people will not be released from prison for violent and really disgusting crimes. But that's what we're hearing. That's the big, that's the big concern. And I think what would happen is of course, when things get a little bit fucking weird and and, and things get a little sideways, of course it's going to dissolve into a little bit of chaos, just like everything that changes does, but we'll, we'll find a homeostasis and something that's appropriate for everybody. And the jurisdictions will change. The laws will be different. And hopefully, hopefully Oklahoma turns into you know, the new, the next super Las Vegas, right? Just take that whole half of fucking Oklahoma and turn it into nothing but casinos and water parks and golf courses. And I've been to Oklahoma numerous times. I gambled in those casinos right on the Texas, Oklahoma border. So often, every time I go home to North Texas, we take a one hour trip up to the, to, to Oklahoma. And the best thing about Oklahoma, this can be confirmed, guaranteed 100%. The best thing about Oklahoma is the casinos. That place is a barren wasteland, just like the desert where Las Vegas is. So my thing is, I'm like, super Vegas, baby, let's do it. Let's do it. Las Vegas doesn't need a monopoly on this. We have Atlantic City. Come on. Oklahoma. Do what's right. Super Vegas. Let's call it Oklahoma City. Oklahoma will be synonymous with good times, gambling, and bad decisions. That's what we want. That's what the world wants. That's what the that's what this country needs. It will bring us together. It will bring us together. Oklahoma, it's on you now. Native Americans, if you're listening to this, if I have any if I have any listeners out there on the reservation, do what you got to do. Heal this country and make some fucking money while you're doing it. Half Oklahoma. Indian reservation. Love it. Into it. Support it. Moving on. Glenn Maxwell was in court this week. All right. Glenn Maxwell in court this week. 
her bail hearing. And for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, one, I love you. Second, I'm going to have to read off of these notes because I do not want to miss anything. She pled not guilty. Now, let's let's just remind everybody what the charges are. Uh, one count of uh, enticing a minor to travel to engage in illegal sex acts. One count of conspiracy to entice a minor to travel to engage in illegal sex acts. One count of transporting a minor with the intent to engage in criminal sex activity. One count of conspiracy to transport a minor with the intent to engage in criminal activity. And two counts of perjury from 1994 to 1997. Now, the reason that they're having to go back to the 90s, if you missed the last episode, um, the reason they're having to go going back to the 90s is because there is a fear that she may be covered on that sweetheart, uh, sweetheart deal that... Epstein made with Acosta in Florida that was really a non-prosecution agreement that didn't explicitly name Glenn Maxwell, um, but it also said um, not limited to these co-conspirators. She wasn't named, but it wasn't limited limited to them. That's obviously going to be a big part of the defense. Um, so they stuck with what's happened in the 90s. I don't know if there was some kind of, I mean, you gotta, you gotta take all of this with a grain of salt because we don't know how much real information we're getting about this case. Right, there's been so much shady and sketchy shit that's gone on. Um, it's just, it's just wild. So I'm doing the best to find accurate information and verifying with multiple sources. But that being said, again, not a, not a word of this I've seen on MSNBC. I don't watch that much of it, but you would think it would be all over the place. Nothing. We're talking about school closures and shit. So it's it's very interesting to see how little coverage this is getting. Um, but in Good news, I think, her bail was denied. Her bail was denied because they deemed her a, 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 a high flight risk for obvious reasons. I do have some issues with the number of charges, and I don't know if they can bring more charges on her um, over the next year because her trial is set for July 2021. So that gives her a week to um, kill herself or uh, get killed or, uh, you know, whatever she does. But she will be in jail for the next year. So there's that. Now I want to read you through the details of this. She has three, pa- this is why her bail got denied. She has three passports that we know about. There have been reports of her, ha- of her having up to six, but we know she has one in the U S the UK and France. And in France, they don't extradite their citizens. She is a French citizen. So that's one of the main reasons that she did not get any kind of uh, release or house arrest. And she did offer to stay in an upper Manhattan apartment, uh, with a GPS, uh, for the next year under house arrest, but they were clearly like, nah, <laughs> no, 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 thank you. Appreciate the offer. Now she, <laughs> Oh, she offered $5 million bond and a $3.75 million property in the UK as collateral. Although the U S has no jurisdiction in the UK. So that doesn't make any sense at all. Now she's allegedly moved 36 times since Epstein supposedly committed suicide, supposedly. And she has bank accounts in the U S this is not any of her offshore bank accounts. This is in the U S ranging from 500,000 to $20 million. And she will not share where that money came from. She won't share. Now, if you're going to get out on any kind of release and be under house arrest with GPS, you have to be very clear about where your finances came from. A lot of transparency is required to get there. So what if you look at this a little deeper, you say, well, she'd rather spend a year in prison in what equates to something like solitary confinement 
She'd rather do that than be transparent about where her money came from. Wow. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, when she toured the property that she was arrested in, I think it's called Tucked Away, when she toured the New Hampshire property, she posed as a journalist named Jen Marshall. So she lied about her identity there. Another reason she did not get any kind of bail agreement. Uh, and now this is where it gets fun. When the FBI arrived at this house, they could see her through the window. And when they started knocking on the door, now it's in their presence, she ran into a back room. When they busted the door down to get her, because she was, where's the fuck is she going to go? Uh, so they found that her phone was wrapped in tinfoil. Now, the defense is saying that they were she was doing that to evade the media, and the reason she moved 36 times in the last year or so uh, was to run away from the media, but I don't know why. The media can't really track your cell phone, so I don't know you why you would wrap your cell phone if you're trying to get away from the media. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. They said that was clearly just a really shitty attempt at uh, evading the police, which obviously didn't work. Now, the FBI said they have been keeping tabs on her for the past year um, since Epstein's death, and, and they knew where she was. So they, I, I don't know what there was going on there, but that's that's above my pay grade as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure they had some kind of decent reason for that. Maybe they got some more stuff. Who knows? Now, uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, yeah. Well, I want to share my thoughts. That's all. The, that's all the, about all the info I have. But I want to share some thoughts. I've, I've been digging into this. And it seems like what's been happening here from some accounts, is that she was in Israeli intelligence, and Jeffrey Epstein was as well. And this may end up being some kind of almost, and I hesitate to say this because this is super out there, but it seemed like they were very, very loyal to Israel, and what they were doing was gathering uh, blackmail on um, government officials from the U.S. to leverage themselves and do whatever they need to do. I need to dive more into this. I need to learn more about what exactly happened. But it's very intriguing to see how shady her dad was, how deeply he was connected with the Israeli mob, apparently, um, how Epstein was kind of this poster child. I do not, people think that Epstein was running this show. That is an incredibly naive thing to, to think. Like, why even, why even entertain that idea that Epstein was running this show? He was, the, he was the poster boy. He was the puppet. And I really think I'm, I'm super curious and, and really intrigued as to what the fuck Lex Wessner's deal is. Like that guy just seems, just looks shady. And he's, again, very, very committed to Israel. So there's a lot of Israel ties here. And honestly, I'm scared to say like what other people have said because I don't want to be accused of being like anti-Semitic, which I'm obviously not. Like that's not, that, I don't have an anti-Semitic bone in my body. Um, it, it, but it's, it's, some of the reports are that they were so loyal to the Israeli Jewish community that they that they believed other people to be essentially uh, in a slave role. If you were not Jewish, then you weren't in that um, you weren't the chosen ones, right? So if you can go back into you know Judeo Christian whatever history or whatever you want to call it myth, um, if you weren't the chosen ones, your purpose was to serve the chosen ones, which. Of course, I want to like write off as like, that's kind of silly. But at the same time, I think, well, that actually, it really makes sense. If you believe that, right? If you're a white supremacist or if you think that the you're Jewish and you're the chosen the chosen ones and that and that any other non-Jew is, is here to serve you, it, it's the same way the Nazis thought, right? And that's weird to put those two together, but it's this idea that 
other people are less than and are there uh, to serve you, that then justifies any kind of, fuck, pedophilia, murder, genocide. Like, that's a way to self-rationalize um, really nefarious actions. So to me, as much as I don't want to like entertain that idea, it actually kind of makes sense that they thought these like young girls were really just like, they didn't even really see them as people and they didn't really treat them like people. So there's these Israeli ties that I need to dive into and, and get a little more context on because there's just so, I mean, this is just a tangled web of fucking craziness and it gets so deep, but I did want to share with you exactly where I'm at with this, what I've been looking at and, uh, and what I've been learning about this and, and, you know, write it all off as conspiracy theory. If you want, I totally understand, but I, I did want to put that out there as this kind of like this belief, this superiority belief, um, that has led to really, really just, just tragic actions. Historically, we see that pattern continuing. I mean, everywhere from the, from Hitler to Genghis Khan to even the fucking Americans and westward expansion versus the native americans like that 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 logic really unties you from any kind of moral responsibility to anybody outside of who you believe uh you belong to in this kind of whatever your whatever your belief of the chosen people is so it's something very interesting worth thinking about and clearly it doesn't make anything any better um in, in my opinion it kind of makes it even worse uh, but it's really interesting to see. I, I can see how that that logic within that framework, that frame of mind, and that belief structure could lead to the type of actions that we're seeing and what we've learned about Glenn Maxwell and Lex Wessner and and um, and uh, Jeffrey Epstein. So something worth thinking about. That's all I've got for you on this. But uh, we will keep you updated on this story because nobody fucking else is right. Let's move on. Kanye West. Kanye West. I heard the other day, saw a report that he had dropped out of the presidential campaign 10 days after he announced his campaign had started. And I was not surprised because he was polling at about 2% of the vote. Um, but now some new reporting, some ongoing reporting has, has, has proven otherwise. Uh, he's actually on the ballot in Oklahoma, although he missed the deadline for the Nevada um primary or the, excuse me, the general election registration. So he's not going to be on the ballot in Nevada or a lot of other, a lot of other States for that matter, but he is on the ballot in Oklahoma. So I'm curious to see how that goes out. And maybe, you know, he's looking at this very seriously. Apparently he also had like a bipolar episode last week. So we don't really know what's going on. I am not taking this very seriously, but it is kind of fun to talk about. So what, what, what could possibly happen here? What could possibly happen? Well, he's on a ballot. So he's going to see what the kind of enthusiasm is for just voting for someone who's not Biden or Trump, which is a substantial amount of people <laughs> that don't want either one of those motherfuckers in the White House, uh, myself included. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm glad he's on a ballot because I don't want to see what some kind of like doofusy hip hop star can can do as far as as far as uh, as far as getting a voter turnout and just providing another option for people. But he was polling at 2%. Um, they said he dropped out. Then he said he wasn't dropping out. Now he's on the ballot in um, Oklahoma. We'll see. But that's uh, that's about all I got to say about that. Just wanted to give you guys a quick update because it has been a little bit confusing. And now, I love having papers, actual real papers. And now, I'm going to give you something to think about. Mm -hmm. 
about something to think about. Yeah. You're probably gonna get upset when I read this article. Yeah. All right, y'all. Something to think about. Something to consider. Something to ponder. Something to wander on. White fragility. Now, I have to say that I have a favorite journalist now, which is which has been a nice little um, outcome of doing this show, um, doing more reading, and getting into it, getting into it, challenging my ideas, considering thoughts from the left, as long as they don't come from Charlie Kirk because he's a fucking tool. But um, yeah, so considering different things, and this article that I'm about to read some 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 bits and pieces of to you covers um, the the ridiculousness of the book white fragility so the book is the number one bestseller on Amazon right now people are loving it and it is it is kind of you know opened up some dialogue but I want to look into this the, the author is Robin D'Angelo now just to give some background on her she does uh, cultural sensitivity training um, in corporate environments, she charges $6,000 an hour. Um, so, and she's also white. So I, I, I kind of sense like this almost Freudian thing. If you know anything about Freud, it's kind of been shown that he, um, more or less projected his own subconscious onto, uh, his work. And, and that's much, much of it has been discredited. Right, because it's like, well, maybe you just wanted to fuck your mom, Freud. I don't know. I don't really feel that same desire. I definitely don't think it shapes my entire personality. But you know, shit like that. But anyways, I wanted to go through here and read some pieces of this article and share some thoughts because Matt Taibbi, the author of Hate Inc., this book right behind me, right here, great read if you haven't picked it up. Um, just he just hammers this thing, and I just, I just love it. I love it, and I'm gonna do my best to read this to you here as best I can, and just some little snippets. Oh, man. So good. White fragility has been pitched as an uncontroversial roadmap for fighting racism at a time when after the murder of George Floyd, Americans are suddenly and appropriately interested interested in doing just that. Except it isn't a straightforward book about examining, examining one's own prejudice. Have the people hyping this impressively crazy book actually read it? D'Angelo isn't the first person to make a buck pushing tricked up pseudo-intellectual horseshit as corporate wisdom. She might be the first to do it selling Hitlerian race theory. White fragility has a simple message. There is no such thing as a universal universal human experience. We are defined not by our individual personalities or moral choices, but only by our racial category. If your category is white, bad news. You have no identity apart from your participation in white supremacy. Anti-blackness is foundational to our very identities. Whiteness has always been predicated on blackness, which naturally means a positive white identity is an impossible goal. Just listen, just, just, just think about that, which naturally means a positive white identity is an impossible goal. D'Angelo instructs us, there is nothing to be done here except strive to be less white. That makes... And honestly, just reading this article gets me angry because I was going to read this book. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a chance. I also thought it was written by a black person. So that's me just being naive, I guess. And this, and it's also somebody who's getting paid $6,000 an hour to do these corporate workshops. Like, give me a fucking break, lady. 
He goes on to say that D'Angelo writes like a person who was put in timeout as a child for speaking clearly. <laughs> Roasted. Now, in part of the book she, here, she, she uh, addresses Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And here's what she has to say. One line of King's speech in particular, that one day we might be judged by the content of his character and not the color of his skin, was seized upon by the white public because the words were seen to provide a simple and immediate solution to racial tensions. Pretend that we don't see race and racism will end. Color blindness was now promoted as the remedy for racism, with white people insisting that they didn't see race. If they did, that it didn't, that it didn't mean anything to them. Okay, so she's she, she, Martin Luther King took a very straightforward mantra, announced it to the world that, that really gave us a clear outline of what it could mean to have a society that is beyond racism. And this white woman who makes money, lots of money, selling this horse shit to corporations is going to undermine Martin Luther King Jr., Wow. Right. White fragility is based upon the idea that human beings are incapable of judging each other <laughs> by the content of their character. And if people of different races think they're getting along or even loving one another, they probably need immediate anti-racism training. Wow. 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 All right. Now this even gets uh, more, more ridiculous. And she's talking about Jackie Robinson here and it is, I mean, it's just, it's fuck. All right, Jackie Robinson. The story of Jackie Robinson is a classic example of how whiteness obscures racism by rendering, rendering whites, white privilege, and racist institutions invisible. Robinson is often celebrated as the first African-American to break the color line. Now, if you don't know, he was the first African-American to play in uh, play Major League Baseball. While Robinson was clearly an amazing baseball player, this storyline depicts him... <laughs> As racially special, a black man who broke the color line himself. The subtext is that Robinson finally had what it took to play with whites, as if no black athlete before him was strong enough to compete at that level. Imagine, it, just look at how fucking absurd of a statement that is. Imagine if instead the story went something like this. Jackie Robinson, the first black man, black man whites allowed to play Major League Baseball. Now here's where... Taibi's writing just like got me giggling. There is not a single baseball fan anywhere, not one, except perhaps Robin D'Angelo, I guess, who believes Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier because he finally had what it took to play with whites. Everyone familiar with the story understands that Robinson had to be exceptional, both as a player and a human being, to confront the racist institutions known as Major League Baseball. His story has always been understood as a complex, long-developing political tale overcoming violent systemic oppression. For D'Angelo to success, history should recast Robinson as the first black man whites allowed to play Major League Baseball is grotesque and profoundly belittling. And I could not agree more. What in the actual fuck is this woman talking about? Oh, God. Golly. Let's just see if there's anything else in here I can just pull out. All right, this is, I, I thought this was great. One of the central tenets of D'Angelo's book and others like it is that racism cannot be eradicated and can only be managed through constant lifelong vigilance, much like the battle with addiction. A useful theory if your business is selling teams of high-priced toxicity hunters to corporations as well as next-generation versions of efficiency experts. In the fight against this disease, companies will need this help forever, making D'Angelo more and more 
cash. Follow that money, baby. Cash rules everything around us. Boom. Now that's what we'll stop there. I think. I think. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna read the last. I'm gonna really read the last uh, paragraph of this thing, and then we will we will wrap this thing up. But I hope it, I hope this has shed some light on this for you. And definitely go check out uh, Matt Taibbi. Just just you know what? I'll just link to it in. I'll just link to it in in the in the show notes of this show. At a time of cat- catastrophe and national despair, when conservative nationalism is on the rise and violent confrontation on the streets is becoming commonplace, it's extremely suspicious that this that the book politicians, the press university administrators and corporate consultants alike are asking us to read are urging us to put race even more at the center of our identities and fetishize the unbridgeable nature of our differences. Meanwhile, books like the adventures of Huckleberry Finn and to kill a mockingbird, which are both beautiful and actually anti-racist have been banned for containing the N word. White fragility contains that N word as well, by the way, it's almost like someone thinks there's a benefit to keeping us divided. Huh? Who benefits from us being divided and putting race as the central issue? Could it be? Could it be? Politicians? What? So the Democrats can virtue signal and the conservatives can hold their ground and try and be strong for us so they can look really good and nice and friendly and on, t- on top of our beliefs? Is that what this is? Could that possibly be the case? I think so. I think that's likely. I look at this and and I and I feel that the even the book White Fragility is such a, a a desperate virtue signal of wokeness and not the kind of wokeness like oh I'm woke and I know like I'm spiritual and shit not that like the wokeness like look at me look how fucking sensitive I am get the actual fuck out of here with that and I don't I, honestly I don't give a shit who gets pissed off about this this is a this is this lady is clowning people this lady is clowning people, and she's making serious money while doing it. You're literally making another fucking global elite by buying this book. And it's, it's, it's embarrassing to have read segments of that book and even understanding the concepts that D'Angelo speaks about. It, it kills me. It kills me. That is more similar to what Hitler has to say than what Martin Luther King has to say. And if I had to pick which one I'm going to believe... I think I'm going to go with MLK, my friends. So that's White Fragility. Make sure to check out that article. Link's going to be in the show notes as well. And that's all I got for you today. That is definitely something to think about. Don't get baited. Don't get baited into this. Stand your ground. Lead with respect, compassion, and empathy. We are culturally different. And that's part of what makes this country fucking great. If we can bridge the gap with respect and not reinforce the gap with this fucking nonsense, we might make some actual progress. Oh, make sure to review the show, share it with some friends. Go find us on YouTube, on Instagram at Connor wanders on Instagram, Connor Moore on YouTube links are in the show notes to that as well. Get in there. And as always, my friends, keep your head on straight. We'll see you next time. <laughs>